Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Welcome to Counter Melody, everyone. My God, the world has really um, gone to hell in a handbasket this past week. I was struggling with what to include on the podcast today. I had thought about putting on my favorite singers, and in fact, that's still what I'm going to do. What you just heard was the late, great Lorraine Hunt Lieberson singing the song Calling You by Bob Telson. That's from the film, the wonderful Percy Adlon film, Baghdad Café with CCH Pounder and Mariana Siegebrecht. That's such a beautiful song. It was originally sung by Javetta Steele in the movie. And here we hear 
Lorraine Hunt-Lieberson and the recently deceased Peter Serkin from a recital that they did at Ravinia in August of 2004. Now, I don't want to dwell too much on death, but the upper world did sustain a very significant loss this past week when Eleanor Ross, the great dramatic soprano, died. I want to try and find a theme that runs through all of the music that I'm going to play for you today. Clearly Calling You is about reaching out to someone, and I think we're all trying to reach out while we're still trying to maintain our own private spaces. So I guess it's going to be about connection in whatever way we can manage it. Eleanor Ross was a great dramatic soprano whose career virtually ended in the late 70s when she woke up one morning and found her face paralyzed. Well, I was in the middle of a great career, and all of a sudden I woke up one morning and my face was paralyzed. I had Bell's palsy. I could not close my right eye, nor could I open my mouth. I went to many doctors. Nobody seemed to have anything that could help me. It took about five years until I could find a surgeon who knew what to do to transfer muscles, nerves into the right side of my face and try to make it work again. In the meantime, I, I could not sing. My career just crashed overnight. And as well as I was disfigured, my face was so funny looking. I couldn't go to performances. It would just hurt me so much to sit in the theater and hear opera and know that I had been able to do it yesterday and I couldn't do it today. It was very sad, and I was very disillusioned and very disheartened. I found a doctor who helped me a great deal, and it had been around 10 years I had not sung, and all of a sudden, the Giulio Gari Foundation was having a concert, and they asked me to sing, and I sang. And I don't know how in the hell I got up on the stage after 10 years of not singing and sang, but you can hear it on YouTube right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have this wonderful connection with the Gari Foundation. They gave me a, a lift in my life, and I became a member of the board, and I do competitions. I love to do that. At least I'm involved in the opera world still, even if I can't sing or can't move these days. But I'm still here, and I wish all of you young people that you have such a glorious career and you have as much fun and pleasure as we all did have. She was a marvelous singer. Do you know that? She was really fantastic. And I found this clip. It was from a complete performance of Ballo in Connecticut in November 1969 with Anton Guadagno conducting. I want you to hear how beautifully she manages this. The pianissimi, the way that she gives full force into the high C without straining. She's a beautiful singer and sings with great expression. She really was an important artist. It's really worth looking on YouTube to find some of her stuff.
went through and picked a ton of repertoire that I could include on this podcast that sort of fit the theme of calling you, reaching out, that sort of thing. Also, connection or lack thereof. And I'm also featuring singers that have not yet, for the most part, been featured on Counter Melody. They're among my very favorite artists, and I'm really excited about bringing them to you. Next is the Argentinian soprano Hina Spani. She gives, I think, the greatest performance ever of the Catalani aria Ebene Androlontana, which is very famous from the film Diva. She's got this intensity of delivery. Sometimes it gets a little overblown and a little explosive, but here she's really exquisite and so intense as she's singing about giving up her homeland, going away from the land that she knew because she's being rejected. It's very, very moving, I think.
Next we're going to hear Rosa Poncel at her absolute vocal peak, just a few years after her Met debut. This is just from a few years later. It's her singing the big aria from Trovatore, the fourth act. Leonora is calling out to love to fly on roseate wings to Manrico in the tower and to tell him that she's thinking of him, but don't please tell him how much suffering I'm undergoing. It's one of my very favorites. In fact, I was really hard-pressed to find the most beautiful version. I don't know. Poncel, her top, for one thing, is she's in full control of her top. The way she does what sometimes people call the D-flat version, the high option at a certain point towards the end of the aria. You'll hear it. It's so beautiful.
I had a whole slew of Germanic singers lined up to play for you. I'm going to play the most of them in a later episode, because I just had to somehow impose a limit on everything that I was offering here. But I'm going to play for you here the magnificent German-Jewish soprano Meta Zeinemeyer. She died at a very young age of leukemia, and on her deathbed she married the conductor with whom she had frequently collaborated, as she does on this recording, Frieda Weissmann, who went on to a really significant career. It's not so well remembered today. So she spent a number of years in Dresden, and there she really was a big part of this Verdi revival that happened in Germany, specifically in Dresden in the 1920s. Here she's singing, here it's called, Noch hebt mich der geliebte Ort from Die Macht des Schicksals. Do you guys know what that is? <laughs> Probably not. It's an aria from Forza del Destino a Verdi. It's certainly the least well-known of the arias, but perhaps my favorite one in Italian. It's called Me Pellegrine d'Orfana. Again, it's about being a pilgrim and an orphan and sustaining enormous loss. She's about to meet her lover, Alvaro. There's a horrible accident and her father is accidentally killed. You hear the beautiful quality of this voice. Frida Weissmann referred to her as a female Caruso. There's certainly a prodigious vocal quality here. And fine, fine technical control. Oh, my God. 
speaking of technical control, this next singer is truly one of my very favorites. Her name is Anna Roselle, at least that's the name she went by. She was a Hungarian singer who, in fact, moved with her family to the United States very early on, was discovered by, I want to say it was Pasquale Amato. Let's say it was, because I can't remember, honestly. It was one of those great baritones. It was Antonio Scotti. He brought her to the attention of the Met, and she made her debut there as Musetta, sang a very few performances, but really didn't get her big break until after she returned to Europe and became the first, I believe that she was the first German tourandol in the house in Berlin and made an enormous success overnight at about the age of, I think, 32. The career didn't last terribly long. Here's a fascinating thing about her. She did return to the United States and Stokowski hired her to sing Marie in the U.S. premiere performance of Wozzeck in 1931. That must have been something. She could sing virtually anything, I'll tell you. This Aida, you hear there's an enormous technical control and a vocal sheen that just goes on for days. She also had enormous power. She's really one of the very best Turandos I've ever heard. Someday, perhaps, we'll do a Turando contest and listen to some of the greatest. Eleanor Ross was another very great Toronto. But here's Roselle singing O Patria Mia, which of course is a song about longing for one's homeland and the sad certainty that she will never again see her beloved homeland. And for people who are feeling so broken right now, I think this aria has a very strong message.
going to return to my beloved Claudia Muzio, who, of course, we heard on the first episode of Counter Melody. Here she is singing a song that was written specifically for her by the priest-slash-composer Licinio Refice, who also wrote the role of Cecilia for her. I believe they call it a Sacra Rappresentazione. It's a staged oratorio, but he also wrote some individual songs for her, which she recorded. This Ombra di Nube, it's one that I have sung. It is so dear to my heart. The singer expresses the urgent need to have this fog removed from the sky so that the sun can shine through again. And I do think at some point, my darlings, we will have sun again in our lives. No matter how we're struggling with all of the things that are going on in this world right now. Thank you. 
I was reminded by my dear not-boyfriend David that spring is coming this week, and I have two songs that I'm going to devote to the theme of spring. One is sung by the unbelievable Ede Norena. She was a Norwegian soprano, also known as Kaya Ede, or Kaya Ede Norena. She had her greatest success after the age of 40. She put her technique back together and emerged with a much stronger voice and an extremely expressive instrument. This song is about the curious relationship that those who inhabit in the northern regions have with spring after having experienced a winter in near total darkness. What that feels like for the emergence of spring and the depth of feeling that that brings up. The song has more than one verse. The only flaw that I can find with this recording is that Norena only does one verse. But my God, she brings me to tears with her singing, and I will certainly be featuring her on her very own episode in the near future, I hope.
Now here's another singer who is singing of spring, rather ambivalent about the coming of spring in this case. It's Eileen Farrell, who we have heard on the podcast before. Here she is singing from a newly reissued recording that she did with Andre Previn, who died last year, of course. This is Spring is Here by Rogers and Hart from their wonderful show I Married an Angel. This recording is from 1962 from an album entitled Together With Love. She's at her absolute peak. I understand that I have listeners who are not so enamored of Eileen Farrell. I don't know what's wrong with you people, if you've got that opinion. I've said before, I think that she was the greatest all-around vocalist that our country has produced, even if certain people don't agree with me on that. It's all right. It's a big world. We all have our own opinions. Some of us are right. Some of us are not. What can I say? (laughs) Anyway, here's... Eileen Farrell singing Spring is Here. Spring is here Why doesn't my heart go dancing? Spring is here Why isn't the waltz entrancing? No desire
going to take a little trip across the ocean to hear the two greatest British mezzo-sopranos slash contraltos. The first, of course, is Kathleen Ferrier, and she's singing that exquisite English folk song from Northumberland called Blow the Wind Southerly. And again, it's about the same sort of thing as is expressed in the Trovatore aria, about reaching out across the distance. The same thing that Lorraine was singing about in Calling You, desperately trying to make a connection with someone who's so far away. And that's what this song is about. Blow the wind southerly. Blow the wind southerly, southerly, southerly. Blow the wind south for the bonny blue sea. Blow the wind southerly, southerly, southerly. Blow, bonny breeze, my lover, to me. They told me last night there were ships in the offing, and I hurried down to the deep rolling sea. But my eye could not see it wherever might be. The bark that is bearing my lover to me. Blow the wind southerly, southerly, southerly. Blow bonny breeze o'er the bonny blue sea. Blow the wind southerly. Southerly, southerly, blow bonny breeze and bring him to me. Is it not sweet to hear the breeze singing as lightly it comes o'er the deep rolling sea? But sweeter and dear. We're going to have a song that takes us closer to home. Uh, that is the Rafe von Williams song, Lyndon Lee. It sounds very much like a folk song, but it actually is an original composition. I've sung this song as well, and I adore it. And it simply has never been better performed than it is here with beloved Janet Baker. Oh, God. Listen to the care that she takes with the words. It's not mannered in this 1967 recording with Gerald Moore. It's simply talking about how wonderful it is to be home. And I have to tell you, my friends, it's hard for me being away from home right now with everything that's going on in the world. And I know that some of you have imposed stays at home. 
doing your jobs from home, you're quarantined perhaps, but there is a great pleasure to also be found in having a hearth and a home. That's what I think this song is about. Today is episode 26 of Counter Melody. I was going to make a big deal about it. It's my six-month anniversary of podcasting, and I do think it's worth celebrating. I'm feeling perhaps a little less than celebratory. You know, the, the extreme situation which the world finds itself right now, with everything changing from day to day. But I did want to celebrate six months, because I think it's significant. I certainly appreciate all of you who have been there with me for this. It's not always been easy putting episodes out every week. Sometimes I wonder why I even bother. I have this horrible voice that plays itself in my head that says, Why bother? For everything that I undertake, I get a big why bother sometimes. I had a peculiar experience this week. My friend Tim, with whom I am staying, with him and his partner Doug, he had a recording of an old demo that I put out, probably around 1999. 
Well, that was a long time ago now. It was more than 20 years ago. I finally borrowed Doug's truck and was driving around the island a little bit the other day, and I took the demo with me just to have some music to listen to. Yes, they have a CD player in the truck. So anyway, I was listening to it, and man, it was not good. It was so tentative. It was so cautious. I always thought of myself as being this big personality who just could barely rein himself in. I sound like a timid little mouse. It was before I started studying with Arthur Levy, and man, you can hear it. The voice is really not... It's not that it isn't together, it's just that I sound like a scared rabbit. That was a stunning realization for me. Regardless, it's all water under the bridge. But I had thought about potentially maybe presenting part of that demo to you, but it's simply not good. Not according to my standards. But I did come across something from something that I recorded, again, in a studio for a demo a number of years later. This is from July 2006, in fact. And I'm accompanied here by my friend and wonderful colleague Danny Beckwith. It is a song that I have to tell you a little bit about because it has a very profound association for me. And I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast yet. And I hope I can tell you about it without breaking down. <laughs> it's the song Danny Boy, and when I was just a little boy, a toddler, I used to sit in my maternal grandfather's lap out on the porch with my ear against his chest, listening to him, and he would sing Danny Boy to me. Well, he didn't know the song particularly, he just knew the opening line, but these were really some of the happiest moments of my life, and... My grandfather died before I turned six, uh, quite suddenly, of a heart attack. And uh, this song is all about loss anyway, but for me it's a very personal thing. And Danny and I were recording this demo, and anyway, we just had a little bit more time. And I wanted to record it for my mother. I wanted her to have this song because she knows how much it means to me. And I wasn't sure I'd be able to do it because I just hear the start of the tune. And I break into tears. And it's like that for me to this day. But I thought of my grandfather and how much I loved him. I thought of my mother and how I wanted to give her a gift that only I could give her. So I put it on the demo. I am not the kind of person to toot one's horn. I think that's pretty clear. But um, I had the most amazing communication with a person who I guess I would describe as a fan. Someone used to, or maybe still does, maintain a website about countertenors. So he had mentioned my recording that I put up on my website of Danny Boy, and uh, said that of all the countertenors that he had heard, that my voice most resembled that of, of Kathleen Ferrier. Anyway, this fan wrote to me, and he said... I went to your website to listen, and you had taken down the recording. What happened to the recording? And I said, well, I took it down because I didn't think it was good enough. And he said, listen, my holy grail is to find a recording of Kathleen Ferrier singing Danny Boy. And I said, but Kathleen Ferrier never recorded it. He said, yes, but it was after the war here in the Netherlands, I swear I heard a radio broadcast in which Kathleen Ferrier sang Danny Boy. And I have been trying to find a recording ever since. Would you please, please put it back up on your website? I said, well, I'm not going to put it back up on the website, but I will send you the sound file. So maybe a day or two later, the guy wrote to me and he said, thank you so much for this recording. 
My wife knows that I have been searching for this recording for years, and I was playing your recording. I was playing your recording, and my wife came running into my study, and she goes, You found it! You found it! She thought it was Kathleen Ferrier. That was the greatest compliment I've ever received in my life. And one of the most satisfying moments in my life as an artist that I could give someone a gift like that. And I listened to this recording. I didn't think it would meet my standards, but I listened to it and I would sing certain things differently now. But um, I'd say it's pretty darn good. So that's the story behind Danny Boy. Thank you.
Okay, I'm just going to do a few more numbers for you guys. We're going to turn to the pop field, and I'm going to play you a few recordings from over a period from 1962 to 1973, a bunch of recordings of my favorite singers doing wonderful songs. So these are songs along the same theme that we've been talking about. This one is a song sung by Martha Flowers. This is from an album called Don Shirley Presents Martha Flowers. You know that movie that won Best Picture a couple years ago, Black Book? The pianist depicted in that film is none other than Don Shirley. This was a recording that he made in 1962, and Martha Flowers, she had been trained at Juilliard approximately the same time that Gloria Davy was. She sang Bess on a Porgy and Bess tour of Europe, and uh, I think alternating perhaps with Gloria Davy. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it was later. But anyway, I don't think she ever had the big career that she should have. This woman could sing frickin' anything. She sings with such abandon. Man, this is the kind of singer that I wish that I had been. This song is called Anytime, Any Day, Anywhere, and it's by Victor Young, with words by Ned Washington, who also wrote the words to one of my favorite songs, When You Wish Upon a Star, which I've sung many, many times, and also Lee Wiley, who was a great singer with a wonderful dusky voice, and uh, I think she had a rather tumultuous life. But anyway, she did the first recording of this, and so I'm assuming that she had something to do with the, with the composition of the lyrics. But the three of them share a writing credit on the song, anytime, any day, anywhere, and you gotta hear what Martha Flowers does with this song. I'm off Anytime, any day, Anywhere Say the word You'll be heard I'll be there Makes no difference where it leads me If you need me Any time Any day Anywhere
I mentioned that I'm still in Hawaii and I'm trying to recombobulate my travel plans possibly. It may be important for me to get back to Germany as quickly as I possibly can. And I say possibly because I don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. But I'm still in Hawaii and this is a wonderful song. Of course, Hawaii is the rainbow state. And this is a song from 1971 by Janice Ian, and it's called He's a Rainbow. And again, it's about a really strong connection between people. I think it's a great, fun song. He's a rainbow. This is a singer that I have encountered. I encountered her actually through Dusty Springfield's performance of one of her songs called uh, Turn Me Around. Her name is Shy Coltrane. 
She was born in Racine, Wisconsin. She had a much bigger career in Europe than she ever did in the United States. She was very popular in Germany and in the Netherlands. In fact, she came to Germany a couple of years ago, just north of Hannover, appeared at a place called the Blues Garage. And when I found out about it, I found out at a day's notice. And I, I thought, damn it, I'm going to do something special for myself. I'm going to go hear Shy Coltrane because I love her. She's a pianistic dynamo. She writes her own songs. She's got a beautiful, gritty, raspy voice that can go up into the high range with great ease. She can just flip up into her head voice and do a beautiful, heady sound as well. It's a voice that's clearly not classically trained, but it doesn't matter. I love voices like that. You know, people like Annie Lennox, like Cindy Lauper, people that they may not have a traditional technique, but it works really well for them. And they have so many colors in their sound. And I would say that's definitely true of Shaikul Train. She was magnificent in performance, just so full of energy. And it was a, well, a crowd of people of a certain age and all Germans, so you could just imagine. I mean, it was really... And I was there all alone. Nobody wanted to go with me at the last minute, and uh, it was just a trip. I think she opened with this song. It's called It's Not Easy. Right now, in the world, it's not easy. But you gotta keep rolling on. And that's what Shy says. She's very into her Christianity, and more power to her. That's not really my thing. Doesn't matter. She's a superb artist, and I love her. And here she is. It's Not Easy.
And now I'm going to close with my most favoritest, most belovedest pop singer, Dusty Springfield. Dusty Springfield. Dusty Springfield. I first encountered Dusty when my mother's uncle knew someone at WOKY radio station, Mighty 92 in Milwaukee. This guy gave Uncle Augie a box of 45s. I really was so hochnäsig. I was so snooty about pop music. I didn't want to hear any pop music. Blech. I wanted to listen to Petrushka. There were all kinds of Stevie Wonder, Neil Diamond, all kinds of 45s like this. This was about 1969, I guess. And there was a 45 of Dusty singing Son of a Preacher Man. Since I was the Son of a Preacher Man, it really resonated with me. And I just loved that song. Oy. If I remember correctly, Willie and Laura Mae Jones, this sort of country soul number, was on the other side. That's my recollection. I don't know if that even ever existed. In my mind, it existed. And, you know, in the world in which we live, if you think that something's true, then it's true. So this was the 45 that I really loved playing. I didn't re-encounter Dusty until years later when my ex and I were visiting friends who lived just north of the city, and Dario had this recording of... Dusty in Memphis, which of course is her most famous, and Son of a Preacher Man was on there, and it was playing. And it rekindled my memory of Dusty, and I started collecting every single thing she ever recorded. And I belonged to various Dusty message boards and fan things, and, and some guy wrote in once and he said, I don't know if I could have gotten through life without this song that I'm going to play for you right now. It's called I Will Come to You. I will come to you if it takes every day left in my life. I love this song. It's not my favorite Dusty song, but it's really appropriate for right now. Let's be there for each other. Let's do what we can to weather this enormous crisis. And and I thank you all for your support through now six months of Counter Melody. And I offer you in my extreme gratitude, I Will Come to You, written by Clive Westlake, who was of a frequent collaborator of Dusty's. Here she is. Just like a ship sailing out
I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get my hands on that Tandy McKenzie singing opera record that I was telling you about last week. I'm going to try, but I may have to flee Hawaii as quickly as possible so that I don't get stuck in the U.S. Blah, blah, blah. But if I can do Tandy McKenzie for you, I will. Otherwise, I do have more of these songs all about communication, connection. The next episodes that I have set aside are more from the German vantage point, including a bunch of stuff that will just make you guys go crazy because it's so beautiful. I'm going to sign off now and try and put this episode together as quickly as possible. I so appreciate your support, and I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Come hell or high water, and who knows which one it's going to be. Until then, my friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gondlach.